take your Bible and turn to the Gospel of Luke. We are going to survey the Gospel of Luke beginning today through Easter or the Easter season. And I pray that uh, you'll be reading ahead and uh, be um, studying this uh, great book of the Bible. Before we begin today, I want to ask our students who, who are going to help me with the sermon today to uh, respond to the questions that I have given to them. First of all is uh, question one, number one, and these are all about the Gospel of Luke. So um, students, who has number one? The question is, what was the name of the angel who appeared to Zachariah? Who has number one? Stand up and shout it out. Turn around. What do you say? <laughs> Did you say Gabriel? All right, you got it right, buddy. You got it right. Here's your, there's your prize. Uh, who has number two? What does the word or the name Gabriel or Gabriel mean? Who has that one? All right, brother, stand up and shout it out. Got to read it from Google here. God is my strong man. Very good. Here's your atomic fireball. Did it get there? All right. Uh, I love Ekron Baptist. You all are so casual. This is great. Somebody uh, texted me this week wanted to know, was I going to wear my Christmas, ugly Christmas sweater during the sermon? And I said, well, absolutely. And they said, well, some of the other pastors are doing it, and they're preaching about sin and how ugly sin is. <laughs> I thought, well, this fits pretty good, you know. We've all got sin. We just don't realize it, I think, a lot of times. We don't, we're all infected with this ugly thing called sin, and we just wear it around all the time, but we don't seem to realize it, you know? We're just blind to it. And so um, we're going to talk about that a little bit in a minute. Who has number three? Who wrote the Gospel of Luke? Duh. And what did he do for a living? Who has that? All right, shout out real loud. Great. He was a physician. Here's your... That looks like Dr. Fauci throwing out the first ball on the... That was terrible. Didn't get very far. All right. Who has number four? What does the word magnificat mean? The word magnificat. And what does it refer to? The word magnificat. Who has number four? All right, stand up, please. Say it loud. Okay. Uh, does anybody else know that? What does the word magnificat mean? It means to exalt. It means to exalt. But for a good try, here's your atomic fireball. You ready? Heads up. Got close. All right, um, who has number five? What relationship did Mary and Elizabeth have with each other? What was their relationship? They were cousins. Yay, here it comes. Ooh, almost. Alex got it. Thank you, Alex. All right, that's great, that's great. Now I think we need to pray. <laughs> Father God, thank you for fun. Thank you for laughter. Thank you for the humor that we even find in your Bible. 
Uh, thank you, Lord, for the irony that we see in the Gospels that teach us more about God than we have ever known. That you're God of promises, you're God of covenant, and you keep your word. We pray today for our missionaries that are keeping covenant with your calling in their life to share the gospel in Asia, Central Asia, and all around the world. We pray, God, they will be encouraged, be strengthened, and that, God, you would uh, reward their efforts with souls. We pray a blessing on the reading of your word today from the Gospel of Luke as we discover more about this great book of the Bible and what it means to our life to encounter God as we read the word of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all who agreed said, Amen. All right, if you will take your Bible, turn to the Gospel of Luke now. And beginning in verse 1, I want to read a few verses of Scripture here to introduce this great Gospel of the Bible. Um, the book of Luke is one of three Gospels in what we call the Synoptic Gospels. The word synoptic is where we get the word, there's two words here, two Greek words. The first one is the word synonym, synoptic, synonym, and that means familiar or the same, similar to each other. Optic means what? To be able to see, to be able to see. So it mean, to say something is in a synoptic gospel means they see it similarly. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke record the life of Jesus, the ministry of our Lord, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ similarly. And they all draw from similar sources. The gospel of Luke comes to us as a work from a physician who traveled with the Apostle Paul. Uh, Luke was a Gentile who was one to Christ after the re resurrection of Jesus. And we're going to see in the introduction here in the uh, chapter 1 where Luke is dedicating his book to the most excellent Theophilus. Perhaps Theophilus is uh, the one that commissioned the work for Luke to write. Um, perhaps uh, he had a a status in society of wealth and so forth that he could afford to do that. And so um, Luke is writing to Theophilus and he's talking about the certainty that Theophilus can have about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can be certain that these things occurred. This is not a fairy tale that we're reading. This is not like the Book of Mormon that we are uh, reading today. The Book of Mormon came to Joseph Smith in a cave and he had some magic glasses that he had to wear and an angel gave to him these, uh, this magic book. And when you read it, it reads like a fairy tale. There, there's no reality there. Uh, it's fake news, <laughs> if you will. And, uh, but when you read the scripture, you read the nitty-gritty of real life. Uh, you, you read about the conflicts that people had. Uh, this, this occurred in the, the period when Herod was the Tetrarch. Cyrenus was governor of Syria. Uh, there was a, um, a, a census that was assigned to the people before the great war that was about to occur. Uh, these were treacherous times to be a Christian or to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And uh, so uh, this book is reliable because it talks about the historical Jesus. Say that word with me. Historical Jesus. That's two words. Historical Jesus. Uh, Jesus was here for real 
and it was recorded uh, according to the eyewitnesses who were, uh, listened to him, who touched him, who saw him, who uh, watched him perform miracle after miracle, who were, uh, Jesus appeared to them after the resurrection. Uh, he appeared to 500 at one time. And these people died believing that they saw what they saw. They heard what they heard. And these are eyewitness accounts of Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. And we're going to discover that all of the prophecies of the Old Testament are fulfilled in the coming Messiah, Jesus the Christ. And that's what the word Christ means, the anointed one, uh, the Messiah that is to come. It's not the last name of Jesus, it's his title. He is the Messiah, he is the anointed one. All right, let's begin reading and discover some things as we go along here. Uh, in verse 1, he, uh, Luke writes, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us. In other words, there were other people writing about the life and times of Jesus. Some of you have heard about the Gospel of, Luke, uh, Gospel of Thomas. Uh, these writings did not make it into Scripture because they were not authenticated as given to us by the Holy Spirit of God. And so what Luke is doing is he is going to use here in verse 2 what he calls eyewitnesses who were uh, the people who saw Jesus, touched Jesus, heard Jesus, uh, were with Jesus. And uh, as John says in his letters, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, that's which we have beheld with our hands, what we've touched, what we've beheld with our hands, that what we, which we have seen with our eyes, that which we have heard with our ears, we now uh, share with you. And so this is the reality of the Word of God that we are reading today, that it is the true Word of God. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a made-up story. It's not like the book of Islam. It's not like the Koran. Uh, the Koran talks about Mohammed and has a lot of fictional history in the Koran. Those things did not really happen. And so there, there's no history to back it up. There's no writing to back it up. But there is external writing about the Gospels, um, and particularly the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, these synoptic Gospels, that um, the one named Christus, uh, who was declared to have been risen from, from the dead, uh, appeared to many after the resurrection. And that's recorded in secular history by um, Justin, uh, who uh, recorded much of the history of his time. So, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of these things accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word have handed them down to us. So one of the questions I would ask our students today is, what historical method did Luke use to compile his synoptic gospel? Eyewitness accounts. Eyewitness accounts. And these were people who saw, heard, felt, touched, and knew about Jesus Christ. And they died believing what they had experienced. They would not recant. They would not change their mind. They died a martyr's death believing what they saw. Verse 3, he says, It seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything. That word investigate is where we get the term uh, autopsy. 
uh, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus. So the title that he gives to Theophilus is one of a society status where he would have been a person of wealth and means and power and had the money to be able to fund the work that Luke was doing. Verse 4 is why he is writing this work. And it is why you are reading this book of the Bible. So that you might know the exact truth about the things that you have been taught. That you might know that what you're hearing today is the Word of God. I shared the gospel with some friends yesterday, and, and I noticed that as I was sharing about the good news of Jesus Christ, everything shut down. It was like you hit a pause button, and the world was still and quiet as I shared the gospel of Jesus Christ using the little stick man drawing that I use. And I find that happening all the time. Uh, people will actually get up and turn off their TV while you share with them the good news of Christ. It's as if there is a power that is unleashed when you share this gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said two things about his missionary work. When he went to the churches in Thessalonica, uh, the churches in Ephesus, he said, we did not come to you in the power of magic or fairy tales. He, came, he said, we came to you preaching the truth of the gospel. And you listened and you heard. Secondly, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. The power of God is unleashed whenever you share the gospel. And that's why the world, like, well, like in the, uh, in, in a minute we're going to see where the, uh, the angels appeared to the shepherds and announced to the shepherds about the coming of the Christ child. And it was quiet. It was a silent night. It was as if the whole world paused when the announcement by the angels took place. That's the power of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The world takes a pause, and we listen to the truth. And when we accept that truth and dedicate our life to living that truth, our life is transformed, and the people around us as well. All right, so we're going to verse 5. We find out that uh, uh, in the days of uh, Herod, king of Judea, there was a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. So Zacharias has been chosen now by lot, um, <clears throat> chosen by lot, and I say, what, what's, what's that mean? Well, they might use some sticks, and depending on how the sticks fell, uh, it, it came to, to Zechariah's turn to go into the temple. And, and I want you to listen to this carefully. He goes into the temple, and um, his assignment is to burn some incense on the golden altar, uh, representing the prayers of the people to God. 
Now, he has been praying a long time for one particular thing. Have you any idea what that was? His wife is childless, and that's an embarrassment in Bible days. Now, those of you who are childless, that is not an embarrassment, please. That is not a, that's how life has been dealt with you. And um, uh, how you receive that and what you do with that says a whole lot about how you embrace the grief that comes with being uh, barren and how you also embrace the grace that comes when you embrace the grief. See, if you embrace the grief, you can embrace the grace that comes with that grief. And so um, Zacharias is praying to the Lord, and one of the things he's praying for is that, Lord, my wife is barren, and it'd be great if we had a child, but they're up in years, and it would just be a miracle of God if that could happen. Now, he remembers Abraham. And he remembers the promises of God to Abraham and how Sarah ha, laughed when Isaac was born and she conceived and bore a child named Isaac. And so he's praying to the Lord, Lord, can that happen to me too? You ever, you ever go through the Bible and say, Lord, all these great things that's happened in the Bible, can, that, can I have some of those blessings too? And then the Lord appears to you. Now God appeared to Zechariah as he's offering incense on this golden altar. Um, God appears to Zechariah through the angel Gabriel. Now, a lot of people have the idea that, you know, when an angel appears to you, you just, oh, this is just so comforting to have an angel. Some of you have angels uh, set up at your house. You bring them out at Christmas time. Uh, some, of them, some people try to sell their house by turning it upside down in the ground, and somehow that's supposed to sell your house. But uh, um, people have angels sitting around. And we, we get some kind of comfort from that. Well, in the Bible days, when an angel appeared, appeared to you, what was your first response? Oh, my goodness. This is frightening. Because this man of God, and that's what Gabriel means, man of God, man of strength, God is a man of strength, um, God's a man of strength. When this guy appears to you, he's representing the holy God. And he has a word for you from heaven. And Gabriel says to Zacharias, God has heard your prayers. And your wife's going to have a child. I don't believe it, he said. Well, okay. You'll be mute. You won't be able to talk till you can get out of the temple. And when that child comes, then the time will come when you'll be able to talk. So Zacharias goes outside and they say, What'd you see? What happened in there? You, you took a little extra time. What, what went on? And Zacharias goes, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they can't understand what he says. And he goes for months like this until it comes time to name the child. And they, and they say to, they have this party, this coming out party, if you will, and uh, they say, well, now, it's time to name the child. Let's name it Zachariah Jr., and Zachariah says, mmm, mmm. They say, well, why not? You know, everybody's got a neighbor or a family member that knows what's good for your life, right? <laughs> you got that kind of person in your life? Well, invite them over for Christmas. They'll tell you all the things that you need to be doing. It's right. And so Zachariah says, mmm, mmm. And so they hand him a tablet, and it's probably a piece of wood that's got some wax on it. And he takes this stencil thing, and he writes out J-O-H-N or Yohanan, or John. And um, 
We're going to name him John because that's what the, the angel Gabriel said. And he will be a Nazarite. Now, if you're a Nazarite, the word Nazarite means dry. means dry. He'll drink no wine. Uh, he'll not party with the party people. He will be holy and separated and sacred for the calling and purpose of God in his life. And so John is born. Um, Mary and Elizabeth meet each other. John flips inside Mary's womb, and, um, and uh, the birth of John takes place. And then the angel appears to Mary and tells Mary that she's going to have a child as well. And uh, Mary says, uh, how can that be when I've never been with a man? And the angel of the Lord said, the, the Lord will overshadow you, and the Spirit of God will bring to you uh, the seed of Abraham, uh, the seed of David, the Messiah that's going to be born. And Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary, not because she was sinless, but because she was receptive. See, God does great things in your life when you are receptive. None of us are sinless, are we? <laughs> None of us are sinless. But if we are receptive to God, then God does miraculous things in our life. And so Jesus is born, and, and Mary sings this song. It's called the Magnificat because it says in the beginning, my soul exalts the Lord. And Magnificat is the Latin word for exalt. So my soul exalts the Lord. That's why it's called the Magnificat. Now, out in the field, there are these shepherds, and, this, and the Gabriel appears to these shepherds, and that's where we want to close today. Uh, beginning in verse 8. Chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. See, they, they saw the angel and they go, Oh, what's this? What's this? You know. So um, that's some of the reality here that's in the Scriptures. You know, the fable, the fake news part is the angel appears to them and they go, oh, how comforted. No, that's fake news. The real news is when God appears to you, holy God and God's representative appears to you in the holiness of God, you become aware of your unrighteousness and your sin. And the angel said to them, don't be afraid. What great news from God. Don't fear. Be not afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For unto you today in the city of David has been born a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. One thing that I want, to, want you to take home with you is that phrase, the good news for all people. This is good news for all sinners. We've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. And we have a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And if we will receive His grace and receive His forgiveness of our sin, we will be transformed from our sin. We will be saved from our sin and saved forever and forever and forever. And it's for everyone. There's no one pre-chosen to be saved and others 
pre-chosen to be lost. We are all invited to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ and say yes to him. All of us. Now, the question becomes, how do you know that it's the time to receive Christ and to follow through in believer's baptism? Are you waiting on a stirring of the water till you feel like it? Some people are. Are you waiting until the last hour of your life that, you know, one hour before you die, then I'm ready, I, that's, that's when I'm going to wait that long? You don't have any assurance that you're going to have the opportunity to do that. Thank God my son Daniel had received Jesus as his Savior when he was about seven years old. And when they were getting ready to incubate him, intubate him in Augusta, Georgia, they had to put you out to do that. And they're going to air vacuum him from Augusta to Atlanta. His wife said, Dan, I'll either see you in Atlanta or I'll see you in heaven. And when they put him to sleep, he did not wake up. We will see him in God's holy heaven. It took me a while to tell you all that story. So you don't have a last hour chance. The answer to the question when do you know is the right time to give your life to Christ? It's when you know you need to. When you know you need to. When you know that you're lost. When you know that only through Christ can you be saved. And when you know that if you're willing to receive Jesus into your heart and your life as your Savior and your Lord and profess Him as your Savior, that's the time when you know you need to. Bow your heads together with me, please. Father, as we give this invitation today, I pray that those who know they need to give their life to Jesus will come on forward. And say, I'm before the whole world, I'm accepting Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church you too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.